was like, man, to be honest with you, I don't know if I want to have you on the show. <laughs> Let's turn the table here. There's so many death threats I had. Like not, oh, you suck. You're Luke P, you suck. You're a terrible person type messages. I mean, I had tons of messages that were like, you're worthless. Being in the spotlight, there's no hiding. And I think it's interesting because you know, looking back at my previous life. Hello and welcome to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a significant pivot or change in life. If you guys don't know my story, I went from studying civil engineering in college to playing in the NFL to ultimately making YouTube videos. And so today's guest certainly has experienced his own twists and turns. And we talk with Luke Parker, you may know him as Luke P and hear how he went from playing collegiate baseball to working in his family business to ending up on reality TV and being portrayed as one of reality TV's biggest villains. And so as you'll hear in the beginning of this episode, this was not a conversation that was easy for me to have. Quite frankly, it wasn't a conversation that I was sure that I wanted to have. Um, but thank you to my lovely wife who challenged me and set aside the judgments that I had made about this guy before I even met him. And so Luke and I spent several hours together. We met and immediately had this interview. And then afterwards, we did a workout together. We both share the passion for fitness. And so this was a challenge for me to work to find common ground that Luke and I had, such as fitness, and not just buy into the differences that I know he and I had. Um, and that would be my challenge to you as you listen to this. And maybe maybe there's someone in your school or workplace or someone in the media that people gossip about. And whether he's being portrayed as a hero or a villain, I think it's a good practice to really kind of form your own opinion. And humans are more complex than just being fully bad people and fully good people. And uh, I'm gonna let you listen to this conversation and form your own opinion of Luke, but that would be my challenge to you is set aside what you think you know about him and actually listen to what he's saying. And maybe at the end of the conversation, you have the same opinion of him and maybe it's changed. Um, but I just think that that was the challenge that I experienced in going through this conversation. If you guys wanna find out more about Luke, you can find his links in the description down below. And if you haven't, it would be greatly appreciated if you subscribed and rated the show on whatever platform you're listening to. But um, I'm excited to bring you this conversation. And all I ask is for you to bring grace and forgiveness into this conversation. So let's go ahead and jump into this one with Luke. Luke, I do appreciate you driving up, man. For sure. I hope, I hope it went smooth, but welcome to Nashville. Thank you, man. Um, I got to say, dude, right from the get-go, this, is, this has been, pre prepping for this interview has been really, really interesting for me. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just put it out there. Sean and I do watch Bachelor, Bachelor. We've had, we know like Jordan Rogers. I was teammates right. with Evandy, Colton Underwood, teammates in... Uh, Raiders, right? That's right, Oakland. And um, anyway, I was like, you know, I watched the show mm -hmm. and we know show business a little bit, but still you fall under this, you you kind of buy what you see, right? This is what we, we saw, how you were portrayed on the show. Mm -hmm. And so when you reached out to me, which by the way, thank you for reaching out. For sure. I was like, man, to be honest with you, I don't know if I want to have you on the show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. For sure. And, and Sean, when you left the room, she was like, you're being a little cold to him. So I apologize, but I, no, dude, it's is, all good. It's been like a kind of, uh, cathartic, emotionally challenging thing for me. So right. I guess, thank you for that. But 
I just wanted my goal here today. I feel like you definitely know how uh, unexpected events can can really change your life. So I was like, listen to all these interviews. Everybody's talking about the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Let's just first start and talk about who Luke P is. Can we just start? What? What? How'd you grow up? What, Luke what Parker. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> not, not Luke P. <laughs> Important distinction. Yeah, we can start there. No, I'm just messing. But uh, yeah, so. How far back you want me to start? I mean, I grew up. So let me just talk about location. I grew up in Florida. I was born in Ocala, Florida. Yeah. Um, did move to California for some time. That's where my mom and dad met. And then moved back to Florida. Uh, grew up playing all the sports, all of them. Uh, speed up through middle school, get to high school. I singled out football and baseball. Uh, played free safety and shortstop center field. And then picked baseball for all four years of college. And, you know, I hung up my cleats, really thought I was going to be playing professional baseball uh, still to this day. And, man, when I hung up my cleats, I was really wanting to compete in something. And I was always watching these YouTube videos when I was in college of this Reebok CrossFit games. And I'm like, man, what was this? Who's this Rich Froning guy? This dude looks like a stud. And... I want to I see if I can do this kind of stuff. And I always had friends saying, hey, man, I think you'd be good at CrossFit. You, you got the body type for it. So that's kind of how I got introduced to CrossFit. I know that you were telling me that you've been doing some CrossFit as well. So tried it out, joined a little box gym, and now that's where I'm at. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I love the community. I love the culture. And, yeah, right now I'm actually pursuing competitive CrossFit. So sick man for Love sure that i have been to ocala florida one time we, you played, have? we played the gators when i was at vandy okay and they put us in this hotel it's like horse country down there huh yep nice yeah we actually had a horse farm when i was i was born really for sure wow did not know that so you have one brother yes one older brother okay tell me about your parents and then we'll talk about your brother all right cool so my parents uh, my mom and dad were divorced when I was about three years old. And, you know, uniquely, because most um, divorced parents nowadays don't really have, sadly, the healthiest relationship. But growing up, my parents did have a very healthy uh, relationship. And I was um, going back and forth, spending time with my mom, spent time with my dad, um, mainly spent most of my time with my dad. And I mean, I love both of them. I, like I've learned so much from both of them. My mom is a go-getter. She's uh, very hungry. She never um, graduated college, grew up um, in photography. And now she's got her own business. She lives in Colorado now. She lives in Boulder. She has her own uh, boutique shop that she's running. And she's a producer and just got done with professional photography. Now she's moving on to production. She's doing her thing. My dad's the CEO of a business in California that my grandpa started that we've been in business for over 40 years. So that's kind of what he does. He actually did play football though in college. Um, he played, he's like me, he bounced around a bunch of different colleges. He played at Tulane, um, OU, and ended up graduating at USC. But OU? Uh, yeah. Wow. So And USC? Trojan. Dang, man. Wow. Yeah. Why did you feel the need to bounce around to different colleges? 
So I went to school for baseball. Yeah. And I went to what's called a JUCO, so junior college, you, yeah, and community yeah. college for baseball. Well, I think most sports, you know, once your sophomore year is done, it's like a miniature senior, right? You, you got to go to a four-year school. Yeah. So it's only a two-year deal. And then I went to a four-year university in North Carolina called High Point University. And I just really didn't get along with the coaches very well and didn't like my um, experience with the baseball team. So then I transferred to Faulkner University. So that's where I finished up. Interesting. How did you like Faulkner? I loved it. We were really good. What was, do you think, um, I had four head coaches in five years at Vandy. Some of them. Dang. I know there's a lot. Yeah, it's like holy. revolving door, right? But yeah. that's college athletics. What was the uh, the rub with the high point coaches? Um, it was the hitting coach. And whenever I'd go in the office and talk to the head coach about the hitting coach, it was just rough because, I mean, this guy, I get there and f- like the first week, I had to sit down and talk with the guy. I'm like, hey, look, like, I just got here. This whole summer I've been working on my swing. And let me know if I get too much into detail good, and drag I'm out too much. To I'm here to listen. But, and, I'm, and I told him, I was like, look, I've tried uh, what's called a leg kick. So, like, usually I just pick my foot up, put it down, like, when I'm loading to hit, right? Okay. And I developed a leg kick, worked really hard with my brother, filming my swing, taking, like, thousands of reps in the cage, like, getting it down. And I get there, my first round of VP, I'm doing really well. I'm hitting great, hitting balls out in BP, which I'm not like I was never really a home run hitter, especially in batting practice, just like low line drives. I'm an outfielder. I got speed. Wasn't this huge power guy. And I told him I'd been working on some things. And he tells me, look, you can't do that. You're not going to do that. And it was bad. Like this dude changed my swing and my stance mm. and my load and everything, every little detail, like once a week. And I looked at him like, dude, if you if you want consistency from me, you gotta let me be consistent with something. You can't just keep changing me every day. Right. And then it was just rough. I mean, first game of the season, I I started and I was two hole, and I was starting, and then it was just like continually getting into it. This coach and it was like it was bad. I ended up not even being a starter. Yeah. And just getting into it with him, and I it was a bad situation. Dude, I know college coaches, man, they can either really deeply impact well they will deeply impact your life either for good or bad Amen. and uh, there, <laughs> there's a couple coaches that i just did not have the same style as um, mm-hmm. so i know how that is um what's your brother like so he is six five wow he got the height genes how tall are you in the family i'd say i'm six foot i'm like right under there okay yeah <laughs> all right but I'm the 5A villain. Yeah, I got from ABC. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, six five athlete. Yeah, he yeah. played uh, college baseball as well. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he he was a power hitting first baseman. So gotcha. Yeah. So your uh, your job profession, as I know it is import export manager. I have no idea what that means. Yeah. So you're talking about the show, right? (laughs) (laughs) So that's hilarious. So my, so it really, it was an import export business. Now it's really like a warehousing company. So it's the business I told you, my dad, he's the CEO of, and we've been in it for like over 40 years. It's pretty much a warehousing company for cotton. And we ship cotton in and out from 
this warehouse, like warehouses in California. Interesting. Like raw cotton? Yeah. Like wow. bales of cotton. Nice. And it's, it's interesting. Like you wouldn't know, but there's a lot that goes in the cotton. Like the fine cuts, the different cuts for different clothing and dresses maybe that are nicer and stuff like that. So, yeah. And this is a trivia question. I don't even know it, if I know the answer. Do you know who created the cotton gin? This is like historic moment. Can we Google this? The cotton gin. The fact that I can't rattle off the answer. Eli, like that, I think is his name. Something it's bad. <laughs> what? There goes Eli. Is there a song about it? Yeah, it sounds right. Like Eli something. I can't remember his name. I, Dang, I was hoping you could bail me out on that. I was. I was hoping I could too. <laughs> yeah. Eli Whitney. Eli Whitney. That's right. Eli wow. Whitney. Throwback. Elementary school. Um, it was like sophomore high school for me. Yeah. <laughs> History class. So you mentioned it seems like the majority of your story of, of your upbringing was about competition and competing. For sure. You got straight into CrossFit, which you're doing that full time. How many hours a day are you training? Yeah, it's a lot. A lot? It's a lot. So I was trying to brainstorm workouts. We're going to do a workout after this. Yeah. And I, I was just trying to decide what I would be better at you then. Probably wall balls, rowing, because height. I don't know. I'm probably going to get demolished today. Sean agrees. She's smiling. She loves it when I lose. But uh, now we'll have some fun. For um, sure. I did. So you literally just got to my house like 10 minutes ago. And yeah. I wanted to jump straight into the interview because, as I said, this was difficult for me. But I feel like from an audience perspective, a lot of people have preconceived notions about who Luke, Luke P, P is. is. Yeah. Not necessarily Luke Parker. So I wanted... And thank you for being down for this to just like literally go on this journey of you telling me who you are, yeah, not the show already defining who you are. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, but I think that is uh, part of your story that probably should be addressed. So we can talk about um, your experience on the show. Maybe just maybe I'll just ask you to summarize. It. I'll leave it open ended like that. How was the Bachelorette, Luke? Oh. Overall, I'll just I'll start by saying this. I'm so thankful for the whole experience. I, especially in the midst of it all, like being in the middle of filming and then even being home watching it air, which, I mean, I'll be honest with you, was one of the hardest things I've ever been through in my whole entire life. Yeah, I can imagine. 100%. And the lessons that I've learned from it and the just maturing as a man and gaining like wisdom from it and growing in my faith as a believer in Christ. Like I'm so thankful. I'll, I would never change it. I, I'm so thankful it played out the way it did. It was very humbling, a very humbling experience because what I, what I thought, especially after receiving the first impression rose, like what I would have told you in the moment of how it would have ended up was the complete opposite of how it ended up. And yeah, I mean, I got to travel around Europe for free, which was really cool. And I mean, just being able to see some of the places I did, I mean, I, that's, those are also, you know, once in a lifetime opportunities. So that was really neat. And yeah, I mean, it was, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I, I mean, it was, I'm thankful for it for sure. That's a pretty positive outlook. Yeah. How long did it take you to to develop that positivity uh, as you look back on it? Was it always like that? Like you're watching the show like, oh, great, I can learn something from this. No, I'm so glad that you asked that. 
Um, so I didn't really know in the middle of filming that I was going to be portrayed as the bad guy, right? The villain until about we got to Europe and like the whole time I was fighting to kind of get along with the guys in the house and kind of make things right with them because there's some things that happened in Rhode Island during like the whole rugby stuff and all that. Right. And that's when the ship started to sink for me for the show and, you know, trying to make amends with the guys at that point, it was too late. Like the, I mean, not to make excuses, but pretty much the story that they wanted to make of me was already set in stone and there was nothing I could have done or said. And I think that was one frustrating thing is, you know, being cool with some of the guys behind the scenes, even later in the season, and then still like on camera and stuff, getting absolutely blown up by him. And like the, a lot of them kind of shifting personalities towards me, kind of like um, just being slanted towards me just because of, I don't know. The storyline. Um, yeah, exactly. And being kind of like what they're fed behind the scenes too, which, yeah, that was frustrating. That was tough. I mean, I was put in so many situations where I was like, I don't even know what to do, say or how to act in this. It was hard for me to be myself. It's hard for me to open up. And I was like really thinking I was going to actually be with Hannah Brown, which was, that's a whole nother story. And that was extremely tough for me as well. But yeah, that's kind of where I was at on that. When, what were the effects of the show on the community of people you were spending time with as it was airing? I mean, you were like, you were memed, you were headlined, you were... <laughs> Everywhere, bro, and not in a positive way. So yeah, no, I was the effect of that. I stole the heat from Donald Trump for there for a few weeks. Yeah, I was the number one most hated on Twitter, <laughs> not Trump. Um, uh, yeah, that was. Do you laugh at that because because that's how you cope with it, or is it, is it like do you find humor? I'm I'm actually no, curious. I think I don't know how I deal with it. No, I I laugh at it now just because I know like how much of a of a joke it is how i was portrayed i mean so this is interesting because you really truly don't know me yet as a person i mean we just kind of met and we're sitting down interviewing but like you know i'm the first one to admit i was very arrogant and prideful on the show i mean that was something i definitely struggled with um but i mean there's a list of things i was called i was called continually in all of the promos an evil pathological liar a narcissist a misogynist and, you know, the list goes on and on. And it's like all the people who know me, all my friends and family who are pouring, trying to encourage me, right, especially when I come home and they're telling me, like, don't listen to any of this. Don't look at media. Like, this is not you. Don't let it get to you. And it's just tough, honestly, some of the things that were said about me, not to laugh. I mean, if someone's, like, if a bunch of people start calling you a narcissist, and you, you know you're not, I mean, I feel like you, you'd crack a little chuckle, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like, you don't know me, and I don't know. It's not like, I guess, a way to cope with it. I just I actually find a little bit of humor in it, no, to, be, fine. to be honest with you. It is, it's such a, 
media is so weird. When when Sean and I first started dating, I, I think I've told this story before. My mom sent she would just like forward tabloid articles about Sean Johnson dating so and so, and then like the next day, Sean J- Johnson dating someone else. Right. And like, meanwhile, I'm texting her as uh, as I'm getting these articles, or I'm, or I'm with her, and I'm like, well, I know, I know this isn't true. <laughs> like, she, there's no way that she could be dating this person because she's been with me pretty much for the past couple months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it's still there's part of it that still stings of like, where do these lies come from? Is it is it founded in some degree of truth? And then what do I do with that? So it's all very confusing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're getting tons of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially like for me, example, to kind of get a little deeper of kind of the struggle, right? So even when it was airing and I'm home and I'm I'm watching it, and I know a lot of these things aren't true. Yeah, I was getting I mean, I'm sure you can imagine what it's like, right? When I get home on social media with like direct messages and stuff, DMs. And yeah, before I get into this, I got to say first, like I got tons of encouraging messages saying like, we appreciate you staying up for your faith and so many messages of uh, believers telling me they're praying for me, which was so encouraging. But let's turn the table here. There's so many death threats I had, like not... Oh, you suck. You're Luke P. You suck. You're a terrible person type messages. I mean, I had tons of messages that were like, you're worthless. You are a waste of life. Go kill yourself type messages. And even someone like me, who's in an awesome core group of family, friends, and positive people pouring positive energy into my life at home, it was still, I mean, I'm constantly reading messages over and over and over of some deep things that, I mean, it took some serious thought to put some of these messages together and mm-hmm. send them to me. And it's like, no matter who you are, when you, if you're going to continue to read stuff like that, like eventually it's, it's going to get to you and you're going to think, well, dang, you know what I mean? where did that come from? And that was something that I struggled with for sure. When I first got home and I was watching it air because I, I've, never dreamed of ever having to deal with something like that. So that's just to kind of get deeper on kind of the backlash from it. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to your interviews with Olivia Critty with reality, Steve, and you're, you're pretty open about admitting you made mistakes. Most definitely. There were, there were things you regret doing and you acknowledge were mistakes. Absolutely. Did yeah. you watch the season? The whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of mistakes I made. So from my perspective, and again, this is this is not about me, but it, it I feel like a lot of people in the audience, as they decide whether to embrace you or to continue to to stiff arm you. Yeah. I'm not sure what else I could expect from you having made a mistake but then acknowledge that mistake. And then it seems like you've learned so many lessons from that. So mm. hats off to you. It is interesting as you seems like go on somewhat of a campaign to regain your reputation. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's as, as you were being villainized, like having humor about it, I think is a really great way to cope with it. But 
the reputation built and and the reputation that was affected that had to be hard to reconcile as you you probably two years ago when you met a stranger nice guy hey i just met this guy luke what a nice guy now you maybe meet someone you've never met but they have an idea of who you are and your reputation tarnishes how that relationship might go so that that's a difficult thing to to go through and i can't imagine mm -hmm. but um I, I don't know what else I, I could expect from you than having made a mistake and acknowledging that. Um, right. I am curious. It's got to be really tough to splice. You talk about the editing, you talk about the producers and all this. Right, right. Without villainizing other people, how do you how do you set the record straight? Have you thought about that much? Like, it is the show's fault to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But how do you convey that message without acting like you're just trying to backpedal and and make make yourself look better? Does that right. make sense? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, I just want to make sure I'm answering this to the T. I don't want to like sidetrack. I just, to me, kind of like the first thing that I think of hearing that from you is, you know, I'm like I don't at all feel like I guess I don't want people to think I'm all of a sudden trying to put on this good face of oh I'm this good guy and I'm gonna be nice to everyone yeah like yeah now I have a platform now people know me whether they know me of this you know five eight loopy villain or they just <laughs> know me as this reality TV guy like I'm gonna just be me and like I have all these plans right now. I'm trying to, you know, leverage what I got right now on social media and try and I've been trying to start businesses online and I'm just going to continue to be me in that. And I really hope that people will just follow me and see who I am. And that was something that I brought up at the mental law. I was like a lot of the guys and it, it frustrated me because a lot of the guys I had some really deep conversations with off camera, I had some deep heart to hearts with um, even some of the guys that turned on me in that really cussed me out and said a lot to me at the mental, which a lot didn't even air. And I'm sure that you thought it was bad because they all came at me pretty much. I was alone. And I told them, I was like, hey, guys, think what you want. Okay. But I want you guys to just watch me. Follow up with me. Actually pay attention to what I do, how I act, who I, and who I am after this. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to getting in touch with some of you guys down the road. And <laughs> it's, so, it's it's funny. I, I feel like you and I share this thing and Sean will attest to this. Okay. I I oftentimes say things that, that mean well but aren't the right words to say. The right thing to say. I right. feel like you suffer from that same thing and maybe there's, there's, <laughs> almost, there's almost this tone of like My heart's like, there but it doesn't sound good kind of thing. Is that what you're getting? Kind at? of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I know exactly what you mean when you say that, but it yeah. kind of sounds like a, just watch me. I'm gonna prove like, yeah, it's not. I'm gonna go prove myself. It's, right. It doesn't probably come off genuine. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's just so interesting. Yeah, right? authentic. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I I can totally see that. Yeah. yeah, that does actually come off arrogant as well. Now that I think about it, like taking a step back. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's been cool though. Uh, I've had a few of the guys from the show reach out to me and be like you know what, you're right. I had a bunch. It was tough on the mental because, I mean, it was still really hard for me to kind of 
be even keel and just slough off all this, you know, garbage that was coming off, coming at me. And I did call a few of them out for completely being totally manipulated by the producers. Cause I, I had talked to a few of them and it was like, we're, I don't know. It's like, I knew they didn't feel a certain way, but yet after talking to some people behind the scenes, they'd come talk to me on camera and it would be like a different person. Mm -hmm. And I called them out on that. And I did have a few of them DM me later after and say, dude, you know what? You're right. Like, sorry about how things went. And like, I just want to keep in touch and see where things go from here. Yeah. I hope all is well, stuff like that. And that's, that's a little frustrating. You know what I mean? But I mean, altogether, I don't know. I don't have anything against any of the guys on the show. Although a lot of them, especially how things ended and I get it with all the drama, like they weren't, a few of them especially weren't cool to me at all. Yeah. But like, I don't have anything against them. I don't wish anything bad on any of them. Like I hope the best for all of them. And I hope that someday I can cross paths with each and every one of them and kick it with them at some point. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with the relationships with the contestants. I feel like I feel like a decent summary of of how things change from reality to TV is that men's tell all is what three hours? Is that what I heard? Um, Your portion of it was three hours? I was in the hot seat with Chris Harrison, like me to you right now for three hours. The whole thing was eight hours. And they showed fifteen minutes of that. So yeah. I just that was very revealing to me of like, oh my gosh, like how much content in oh yeah three hours yeah i always thought too yeah. like it's gonna be live there's a live audience uh -uh. right no right like i'm like this between me and you with chris harrison for three hours and he kept asking me the same questions and different wording and i've got pinned as the guy that is repetitive the whole time yeah and i'm sitting there and sometimes i just wouldn't say anything i'd be like dude i've already answered that yeah next question What'd you learn about fame, Luke? I know you said you went on the show, you didn't know how big it was, but I, I expect to a certain extent, right? You, it, it was a nationally televised show. So you kind of knew about that, right? right? What did you learn about fame? What did I learn about fame? Oh, where do I even go with this? I'll tell you this. I didn't realize how many people wanted to be in my shoes. It's an interesting way to attack the question, but I mean, I had so many people reach out to me going, man, like, I would love to be on that show. I'd love to be do this. I'd love to do that. And I'm looking, I'm like, take that back. No, you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want to be a part of that. And I just know that being in the spotlight, there's no hiding. And I think it's interesting because, you know, looking back at my previous life, right, you know, before the show, pre-show, if I do anything that's maybe wrong or I act prideful or I do something good, you know, I don't really have many, you know, witnesses, so to speak, that will tell me what their opinion. But like all of a sudden, boom, the spotlight's on you. Like you better learn how to be transparent. You better be able to hold your life up and front of a mirror and be able to show who you are and what you're doing because there's no there's no hiding like if you're doing something people are going to find out and i guess and i'm not like i don't see myself as crazy famous right 
not like Tom Cruise, where if I walk in public somewhere, like everyone knows me. It's just the demographic of Bachelor fans, but still, um, yeah, you know, I'm recognized places. But I, I feel like that's what I've learned most from fame is, you know, you, you better be comfortable in your own shoes and know who you are and know what you believe in and stand for that boldly. Those are wise words, man. To a way different extent, in my experience, walking red carpets and meeting people that I've been able to meet because of Sean, there's something like so tempting about it. Like it's like this greed of you want the attention. And I don't know if that's just me. I, I think everybody wants attention to a certain extent, but like you want it and you, you know, it's not good for you. Mm. For me, it was like frustrating because I would always see someone else getting more attention. And even now, dude, even now I'm like, whether it's Instagram followers or like, getting recognized in public it's like so dumb yeah but there's still part of you that wants it and yeah. your progression i feel like when when i first was introduced to you on the show you know it's like the there's a like the live stream whatever they did mm -hmm. for that first rose i was like that guy looks like he's pumped to be on tv i wonder how this will pan out as far as his experience of walking into this fame you know right. what i'm saying right your perspective on it has shifted. Was there that degree of excitement about fame? No, no, not at all. Not from start. the beginning. No, I no, not at all. Interesting. I mean, I was the one crazy guy that went on the show to find love. <laughs> I didn't know much about the show, and I didn't realize that people go on there just to be famous and for a following. Why did you go on the show to find love? Well, my sister-in-law signed me up for the show, and I told them no, I didn't want to do it, and they said, well. We want to give you a day to think about it. I come home, I tell my sister, hey, I got the phone call. And this was like a year after she, you know, filled out the application stuff for me. And my sister-in-law was like, Luke, you have to do this. Oh my gosh. Like, at least give it a try. And my brother was like, hey man, like, just try and gain some interviewing experience from this and just learn from it. Have a good time. You're probably not going to get on the show. So don't even like sweat that. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'll try to gain some interview experience. To cut to the chase to answer your question, I end up making it to the final casting in L.A. And right before I leave for that, I started watching Colton season when he was The Bachelor. And the only reason that I was watching was because I've made it pretty much to the last. They told me I already made it to the L.A. thing. So I made the last um, application process or final casting. And I wanted to watch Colton season to see, all right, let's see if one of these girls is worth dating. That's that was my outlook, and I saw Hannah. And just being honest, as soon as I saw Hannah Brown and her little "Hey, I'm Alabama Hannah," like her little intro video, and all of her in the beginning struggling to open up and all that, I was attracted to her from the very beginning. And then I heard her have a conversation with Colton and say, "Hey, I'm striving to be the wife of noble character." And boom, in my mind, I'm like, she's quoting Proverbs 31. That looks like a girl that I could end up marrying one day. And that was it. I went to the final casting. They said, we, we like you. We'd like to have you. And then I heard some spoilers say, hey, we, it's Hannah Brown. So I was like, time out. The one girl out of all the 30 that I did like is the one. I'm going. This has got to be like a sign that she's the one or something, which turned out to be not true. But that's what drove me to want to go on the show. I still, even after they wanted me, 
was contemplating not going until I heard about Hannah. Why would you? Why would you not have gone on the show? Because you were skeptical about the whole thing, or really just because of where I'm at in my faith, and I, it's probably sounds funny now because, like, you know, I, I definitely like made a lot of mistakes on the show, but I know, like, for example, one thing like the fantasy suites, like, that's something that I know, like, I don't want to be tempted with that. I don't. That's something I don't want to put myself through to possibly. Um, go through something like that. And that's just one example of many, but for my future wife to possibly be dating and kissing multiple guys at the same time, like that's just like, obviously it's a completely unorthodox dating scenario, but like, I don't, that's not the ideal dating scenario. I don't want to be in that, but I thought for sure this possibly could be the one for me. So I was like, whatever, if this is whatever it takes, right? Man, that is so interesting. Yeah. I just have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, what Talk to people. I, I think one thing that's maybe a little downplayed, as you were saying, during like the men's tell-all or whatever, people say one thing on the, in front of the camera and they're a different way off. There is a little bit of this like camera effect of like when the lights are on oh, yeah. and someone's behind the camera and it's like roll time and, and like you're the focus of all the attention you do kind of become a character of, you know, some Tom Cruise is an actor, but as a reality star, it's like, you're, you're like this distilled version of yourself yeah. for the good or the bad. Oh, yeah. Did you experience that? Yeah. I even experienced it myself where I, I felt, and I could see myself wanting to talk a certain way or personify a certain way while I'm on the camera. And like the whole time I'm on the show, I'm trying to check myself, like take a step back. Are you actually being yourself? Now, granted, I'm in a unique situation. <laughs> the whole house hated me after the whole rugby thing. And like, I had to deal with a lot of drama. But still, I admit, I really struggled being myself. But like you said, there's a lot of people who, when the lights turn on and boom, the camera's on you, it's like, yeah, all right. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I think of a story my dad told me because, you know, I told you my dad and my mom met in California. And my dad used to, uh, work out on Muscle Beach quite a bit. <laughs> that sounds funny. Anyway, <laughs> he met Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan, he said, was the most humble, soft-spoken dude. It was like, hey, man, nice to meet you. And the camera came, he's like, hey, I'm Hulk Hogan. Nice to meet you guys. Like, talking to the camera, right? And, like, personifying his character. Right. And then the camera went away. He's like, hey, man, it was really good meeting you. And, like, was a soft-spoken dude. And I'm like, yeah, that even happens on reality TV and it's supposed to be reality and yeah. you be yourself. But I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, it's kind of hard not to totally be completely yourself as if there was no camera there. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? So Sean will attest to this. Whenever, whenever we're even doing a YouTube video in our living room yeah. and the cameras are on, I'm like this super loud, obnoxious. I've like developed this character because it gets people's attention and it keeps right. people watching. But if people watch one of the YouTube videos and then come watch an interview, they see that I'm pretty like laid back, mellow, and smooth. Chill, right? yeah. <laughs> second, you are very second even person in two days that has called me smooth, Sean. How do you feel about that? Let's go. <laughs> Have you been able to think about if you were able to rephrase that night in what was it, Greece, where the, everything blew up? Oh yeah, the would sex you conversation. Would you rephrase it in any way? What do you mean? Of 
Would you change the messaging? I'm curious. Of the like what I said? Yeah. No. But I say that. And there's so much in that conversation specifically that was chopped up on a whole nother level of editing. Like there's so much that they almost make it seem like I'm continually talking, but there's a lot of breaks where she would pause and talk. And in the context of everything I said, I, I mean, I believe where I was coming from was correct. And I could talk to you all day about that. But I mean, do you want to get into detail of some of that or no? no? All right. I feel like people can hear that other places. Yeah, for sure. What I What I will say and give you credit for is you seem to have this amazing piece about knowing this is what I actually said to Hannah B that night right. for an instance versus this is what was shown. And you're like totally comfortable in realizing that I'm good with how the reality is and I could care less about how it was per per portrayed. For sure. So I think that's a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think everybody could do it. Credit to you. Um, Appreciate that. Do you feel like your parents' divorce has shaped your perspective on on relationships at all? 100%. Really? Oh, yeah. In what ways? Well, I think in the most powerful way and impactful way to me is, and like, again, my mom and dad, I love them and they're awesome. And I feel like this is true for anyone, whether their parents are divorced or not. Like, you get to pull the good and the bad from your parents. It's like you in any friendship or relationship you have with anyone, you get to learn from the good, hopefully receive some of that and adopt some of those traits and then see some of the traits that you're like, all right, well, I know I shouldn't do that. And I think it's cool because, you know, growing up, I've always have been wanting to give Lord willing, if I have kids one day, what my give my kids what I didn't have, which is, have my mom and dad in the same household, not have two Christmases, like things like that. And I think it's been cool to see kind of like what I said, the pros and cons, and then, yeah, just uh, do all the, the right things and adopt all the pro traits and then weed out the, the cons, right? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, any relationship you have with anyone, no matter how it is, I think that's the beautiful thing is you always get to learn. And even if you're learning some bad about someone or you have a relationship with someone that maybe is toxic, you still get to learn so much from that. And I think it's important in all relationships in life to just learn from it and actually not just be nonchalant about it and, you know, take what you can from it in the most positive way. From your time with Hannah B in real time, real life, what did you take away from that relationship? You love this girl, man. You're right. It was it was so, it was such a interesting situation because right we're on the show, right? It's not like I'm meeting her for coffee or taking her out to dinner. So things were interesting. I mean, there's a few times too late in the season that I swear it wasn't her or she from the beginning just was putting on a face to me. And when I say that, I mean like... Which is not a fault of hers, as not, we were discussing. It's not just at all. A, a, an effect of being the bachelorette, being in front of cameras. Totally. And never attention, but go ahead. Yeah, totally. And I just, I felt like a few times from conversations I had with her and how she acted to me, I, she had a few responses later in the season. I'm like, what, what are you saying? That's not you. Like, what are you doing? And I, I felt like because 
she has her own individual producers, right? The whole time. And they stay away from our producers. They don't communicate. And I felt like a lot of them definitely affected the way she acted and talked to me, especially towards the end of the season. And to me, I didn't like that. So I think things maybe would have been a lot clearer to me for sure. If I dated her in a real life dating scenario, not the bachelorette bubble, but I think it's just important to, I guess, to answer your question and not get off on a tangent is just, it's important to, especially if you're going to have a serious relationship with someone and want to pursue a life long relationship like marriage, have the deep and the tough conversations and make sure that you guys are on the same page. And if you got, if you get those out of the way early, I feel like then it's really just to see if you're really into that person. So just beyond attraction. And you're saying you didn't have those deep, you weren't able to have those deep conversations with Hannah. Um, not all of them though. We, I mean, we had a few deep ish conversations, but they're pretty brief and surface level just because, well, surface level deeper opposites. But anyway, it was brief just cause like we have a few minutes and it's like, Hey, uh, we, you guys have three minutes. Like her producer would be saying that she's like, if you guys want to kiss, kiss now and you got to go. And I'm just like, no, I want to talk more. And it's like, you don't have a choice, right? Cause you're in the bubble. So we know, as I said, Jordan Rogers is a good friend of mine. Right. He and Jojo were on the show, I don't know, three years ago and they've been engaged since then. I think they're finally planning their wedding, but like, it does seem like there's a massive amount of catch up that needs to be played. Yeah. Of wait, okay. The show is like this very intense period of I think about this sometimes when I think about the Bachelor Bachelorette. Like you're in a house with however many guys, thirty surrounded by producers. Yeah. Literally all you're talking about is one girl. So what is the mental effect of that? Like how much does that oh my gosh, I think I love her. Like oh, I'm so excited to see her. Like when in reality it's if you were outside of the show, I probably wouldn't be that geek to see this. I don't know. It's it's so confusing. It's there's so much to it, you know. <laughs> what? I don't even know how to answer that yeah. at all. Like, are you want me to talk about like the awkward like conversations with the other guys about us dating the same girl, or no? I think it's just about the excitement. Let's we can just we can just let that die. Just yeah, let's just bag that. I one. do think it's I do think it's interesting to think about though that yeah. effect that 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 would have oh for um, sure okay so another thing you um you said the word clarity 80 times on the show at least yeah i apologize for i've that. heard you in previous interviews since and talk about like the fear of man oh yeah there is you're christian and i do like using a word like clarity i feel like it's like a in a relationship is like a christian lingo kind of thing this is interesting. <laughs> Go for it. Go for uh, it. I, uh, Hit me. I guess I've been on this personal journey of mm-hmm. I grew up in that world. Right. Of, hey, how's your heart, man? Like, check your heart. Right. Like that, that's a Christian lingo kind of vibe. And it, I felt like there was this, I was getting funneled into this one type of person that the Christian community would fully accept. Right by using words like that, by wearing chacos, by, you know, having highlights in your Bible, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like 
um yeah no i know exactly you know, what you're saying john christ the satire a little bit here yeah, with yeah. That, but ha- with your personal faith mm-hmm. how have you reconciled personal growth with being in some ways an icon in the christian community you know put it on a pedestal like you were hated by one group but on the other you had like, these christians saying Oh my gosh! Thank you for standing up for what's moral. Mm. Was there any tension between that? You know what I'm saying? What do you mean tension? Personal versus Tim Tebow is a Christian icon. Definitely. How is he behind closed doors? I don't know. How do you how do you be a Christian icon? So for me, I think just thinking about when I first got off the show, it was like, to me, it was like so like evident certain situations I was putting on the show. Cause you know, you have your cell phone taken away from you as soon as you get there. Right. So there's no accountability. If, I, if you're my boy at home, I can't hit you up or FaceTime you or text about conversations I have with Hannah or whatever, or with producers. And also my relationship with God on the show was I guess what I'm trying to say is like I could see a huge difference in my own actions when I actually had time where they're like, all right, you know, you actually have an hour and a half or two hours to do whatever you want before A, B, and C. And I would go and open up my Bible because I had my Bible with me on the show. And I think as a believer, uh, it's so important to constantly be in communication with God. And how do you do that? You pray and you read your Bible. And reading God's word and being reminded of who he says I am, who he is and what he's done for me, right? All those things being reminded of that and reading, I think is very important with as a believer, how you act. And I know that behind closed doors, I know Tim Tebow is reading his Bible. Do I really know what he's doing? No, but I've heard him speak and I I know he's a convicted man. And I've heard him quote scripture like that without reading it like in his face. Right. So I know that he's constantly reading and I think you're asking, so was a believer do in that situation? I think nothing different. I think continue to have relationships, close friends and whatever words you want to use, whether it's a mentor or brother in Christ, like have close relationships that that are like-minded that can pour positive energy into you and constantly be in those relationships and communicating in those relationships and be in the word and be reading your Bible and just stay on track. So I think that was one thing that was so refreshing for me being home from the show and like being out of that bubble was coming home to like my discipleship group, like my little small group that I left going to the show and like coming back and communicating like the hard, tough conversations with them and having conversations like, well, why did I act like that in that certain situation on the show? Like, what was the root of that? And then also having a really close relationship with my older brother. I know we haven't talked much about him, but man, he was like, has been such a positive impact in my life since I've been home from the show. And like our relationship my whole life has always been special with my older brother. And we've always been like extremely close and very competitive growing up. He's two and a half years older, but like, you know, we'd always compete in everything we did. 
you know what that's like. Yeah. You're, you got brothers, right? I got three brothers. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure you guys beat the tar out of each other. And that <laughs> helps you grow a lot as a kid. But like, I think even older now, it's been special to me to grow my relationship with my brother and be on the same page in certain things and have deeper conversations that we never really used to have. Like, so we never really got to have um, the deepest of conversations with each other. And I think lately it's been with my relationship with him has been a huge growing experience and it's been like, it's been awesome. And I've been growing just as a man in my maturity so much. And like, he's been a huge part of that as well. So he's in Georgia. Yes. Nice. Cool. Yeah. We hang out a lot during during the week. (laughs) CrossFit too? Uh, no, he's actually been getting into more like endurance training. So he's actually wanting to do, um, like triathlon coaching. We actually did a half Ironman together last year. So, How'd it go? Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Like 10 miles in the run, every leg muscle on my right leg cramped and locked up on me. That was brutal. Mm. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. A lot of training. Yeah. Yeah. I did a marathon. It's like just hours and hours. Endurance training is just the time you put in. Oh, dude, how'd that go? I got crushed. Demolished. I finished, but I got crushed. Oh boy! I'm glad I did it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, who do you look up to? Like a mentor that you've actually met, or someone you mentioned, Tebow? Yeah, yeah grow- I know you've met Tebow, but yeah. So growing up, it's so funny because we already brought up Tebow multiple times. But growing up, my biggest role models besides my dad was my, my older brother, and my older brother. I mean, it was a huge part of my development, um, just with sports and being competitive and my competitive nature. Um, my older brother, for his age and amongst his peers, he was always um, looking up to and hanging out and competing against the older kids, right? And to me, I always wanted to be like my older brother, right? He's like, he's my older brother. Yeah. He's my hero, right? Growing up. And he was by far my biggest role model. And then on top of him was Tim Tebow. I mean, I told you, like, Tebow came in, like, spoke in my elementary school when he was a high school football player and then he goes to Florida and then he spoke in my high school graduation and he was involved with FCA stuff with like my church and his parents had a good relationship with my aunt and uncle and he was around a lot in our area and I, he was like the man to me so I was like dude he's living out his faith as a believer and he's a freak bad a on the football field like this is a quarterback running over linebackers up the middle of the field yeah. and then you know like still look up to him today i mean he's still chasing his dream and i mean he's a sports center broadcaster and he's in the minor leagues trying to make it to the show in baseball which is unbelievable yeah. but yeah i'd say those growing up were the biggest two role models i, mean, I have tons but yeah. like m- macro role models those are the main main ones Let's talk about you're coming on a podcast. Yes. Tell me about it. So I'm wanting to start. I'm saying wanting. I'm starting. I don't have the official website yet. It's called Unbroken Fitness. And what it is is I'm, you know, I've, I've been brought up through sports and stuff, different, being involved with different coaching techniques, training techniques, right? Sports, sports specific training, functional fitness, all this other stuff, right? And now I'm in competitive CrossFit. And I'm wanting to combine all the pros of CrossFit, like bodybuilding, um, endurance training, and all these other types of functional fitness, take all the cons out of those things. Because there's tons of things, like women shouldn't be bodybuilding and doing certain movements. And there's a lot of movements in CrossFit that like 
the average person shouldn't be messing around with. And I'm trying to combine all these and make workout programs and I'm selling them online and do different 30 day challenges and other cool things with that. So that's unbroken fitness. Now the podcast is the unbroken mentality and it's pretty much in a nutshell. It's like, it's the champion mindset. And on the podcast, I'm interviewing who I think are some of the most mentally tough um, people in the world. And it's really just people with unique stories whether it was kind of like pivot changes in their career, kind of like what we're doing here with your podcast, right? And it's really me trying to get the person to open up about like their mentality really and talk about mental toughness, mental fortitude, talk about their why in life and things like that. And I just love it because I'm pursuing now a dream of mine which is to go to the CrossFit Games, which is crazy because most people that join CrossFit say that and it's like they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And really, like, whether I make it to the CrossFit Games or not, whatever, I just want and I'm committed to no matter what, if I make it or not, it's not going to be because of something I can control. If I'm, like, pursuing reaching my genetic potential of, of fitness and if I'm just not genetically gifted enough so be it but I just really am doing this and pursuing this dream like anything else in life and I'm wanting to be the best that I can be best version of myself I can be in anything I do in life but if we're talking about CrossFit specifically I want just people to be inspired um, that no matter what dream they have or anything that they want to pursue that they, they can make it happen like who cares what anyone else says just put your nose down put your head down put in the work and make things happen and I just I think it's really cool because Doing something like that, you got to be really mentally tough, and like you got to expect adversity to come like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool. I'm really getting the opportunity to, to interview some incredible athletes, professional athletes, whether it's um, Olympians or NFL athletes or CrossFit athletes, and really just pick their brain. So I'm I'm all about that. Is there one person? That you would absolutely love to interview? Yes. Tim Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I wasn't even going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but after the, our whole conversation, that makes so much sense you yeah. said that. No, I actually, that's that's a good, great idea. I don't even know how. I haven't even thought of that. But there's just, there's a few guys that talk about mental toughness that I know. And like, I don't know how much I'm going to get into the realm of like the military because there's so many military people that I know that I'd love to interview because what they go through and still talking about it on American soil, like we still like can't comprehend the experiences, even hearing them. Like it's unbelievable. And I think I'm sure you know his name, but you know, David Goggins, Beast. dude, mentally that dude is a juggernaut and I would love to just have him rant on my podcast and talk about mental toughness. That would be incredible. I think David Goggins listens to my podcast frequently. So, David, if you're out there, just go ahead and hit Luke P. Hit me up, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you pursued relationships after uh, the show? Absolutely not. No. Shut <laughs> it down. Yeah. Just focus on CrossFit, huh? I mean, I'm not saying like I'm not open to a relationship, but that's definitely not been – uh, priority of mine at all. I've just been focusing on me and kind of like what I got going on right now. 
Good. For sure. I want to know, um, I'll just ask it like this. What are three takeaways that you have learned over your journey? Could be before the show, could be during the show, could be right now, that um, you think could apply to the audience, you want to share with the audience? This is great. Let's say one thing first just to start off, and this kind of goes into the unbroken mentality, is don't ever put a mental wall or block in your head. If there's anything that you want to do or want to achieve, don't ever mentally put something there in front of you that's telling you or showing you that you cannot do it because that is such a lie. And that's, that's with anything in life. And I love, so I listen to, um, uh, uh, listen to your podcast with not Noah Olson. It was Noah something else. I can't remember his name, but he was Galloway. Galloway. That's right. Dog, man. Dude, that was some inspiring stuff that he was spitting on your yeah. podcast. Anyway, he brought up something that I thought was so cool and oh, I'm having brain farts right now with names. Goodness. I hope they're not watching. No, I'll but no. Um, You're live on air. What's the guy's name? Is it? I don't even want to butcher it. But the guy who just broke the record for the marathon, Elliot. K- Elliot Kipchoge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Elliot. Elliot. Yes. Yeah. Stud. Yeah. Did you see his splits? Anyway, oh the point of the point of bringing him up is like, he's running. I think it was like four thirty-five average miles. And what Noah brought up in your podcast was. Like, let's rewind 20-something years ago. People were saying, no, it's impossible to run a sub-five, like to run a four-minute mile. It's impossible. Now people are running like three-something miles for one mile. And we got dudes running 26 in a row, 430s. And to me, I look at that and I'm like, think about that. That should be so inspiring to anyone when someone says – you can't do that. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the height. You don't have this. You don't have that. Flush that because yeah. that's all noise and that's a lie. And I just, I think that would be my first takeaway is if there's anything you want to do or achieve, like don't let anyone else, don't let anyone tell you that you can't because that's a lie. You're getting fired up right now, bro. Your yeah. are all dialed. <laughs> yeah. I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's so important to remind yourself that like to put in the work. Yeah. It's a process. Anything you do is a process. So go ahead. Sorry. You're well, that's, that was, was so cool about the marathon was like, I'm used to the NFL where it's like this highly structured, you know, people have been working and you go from high school to college, college to NFL. And like, yeah. you're chosen to be there kind of, whereas the marathon I showed up and there's 30,000 people there and they didn't have to be there. They weren't getting paid. There was no coach telling them to wake up every morning and train, but they decided that they were going to put in the work to run 26 miles. I was like, this is one of the most inspiring things ever is just being around these people who really don't have a a reason to be here other than they want to be. Yes. Right. I love, yeah, I I love that too. I love that perspective of like, like you said, they're not getting paid. They don't have a coach motivating them and like telling them like, all right, at the track every morning at 6am with a stopwatch telling you your splits which I mean is motivating in and of itself to have someone push you, but it's like taking upon yourself to be better. I think, I mean, I I didn't plan to say this, but this could be my next takeaway is like, don't ever, I hate the word content. 
that word just uh, it makes me cringe. And I think we should never be content with anything in life ever at any point. We should always have this desire and this want to want to grow and, and better ourselves in every aspect of our lives, whether it's our job, our work, our relationships, um, hobbies, like our bodies, taking care of our bodies, what we eat, sweating, getting the heart rate up. What are you doing act, like activity-wise just to get your heart rate up and literally be more heart healthy? Is, is it functional fitness? Is it a spin class? Is it yoga? Like there's got to be something, right? Why do you do it? Because you're trying to be the best version of yourself. And there's so many lessons to be learned in every aspect of life um, when you're pushing yourself to be better. And I think that's just something that I think we all need to be mindful of is like you can always be better. And even when you've reached the top in something, like you really haven't. There's another mountain you can climb that's taller. So go for it. Preach. So oh, last takeaway. You know, I was ready for this question. I had some written some stuff down and I forgot what one of my, I wanted to bring something up as a takeaway and I totally can't even think about it right now. <laughs> so you might have to give me a second to think about this. Oh, yeah, man. Take your time. Because I want to kind of tie it in with my story and not just kind of get sidetracked. I think this is a huge takeaway that I just kind of thought of just thinking about just some people that I've been listening to, like some content that I've been taking in just through podcasts and listening to a lot of you before I've come to meet you and thinking about my time on the show, being disconnected, landing in LA, not having my cell phone, right? I think relationships, I mean, I could talk all day about relationships, but how important they are. And then on top of that, to get a little more specific and get deeper is surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Like this is something that is so overlooked and I, it's something that everyone knows, something that everyone's heard, but they don't realize how serious it is. And I think that's something that I've, through my, I guess, divot in my life, right? Being on the show, I think that's one thing that's a huge highlight and it has just been eye-opening to me of how important it is to really surround yourself with people that one believe in you they aren't going to shoot you down with any negative thoughts or say anything which yeah you could argue that with oh well use that as fuel bro like it's so important to have people that will pour positive energy in you and that that believe in your dream even if it's something that the rest of the world doesn't believe in but your core circle of people are fighting for you and they're going to do everything they can to help put you in the best position to be and achieve whatever dream or whatever you desire and making sure that like, yeah, you are surrounded by motivated people that will encourage you, that are like-minded. I think it's so important. It's so overlooked. I'm getting off my soapbox. No, it's great. <laughs> what, are, what are a couple of podcasts that you like listening to? Uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of motivation podcasts. So literally, if you type in motivation, all those that come up, all those. Nice. So I've been really enjoying listening to yours, honestly. I, I knew... Um, I knew kind of what you've talked about just from like brief, really just Googling, right? And like doing a little bit of research here and there and like listen to some stuff through your posts and captions. But actually listening to like your specific podcast, I think honestly, like not just blowing sunshine here has been very, very eye-opening. And like there's been a lot that I've gathered and taken away that like, yeah, 
I'm encouraging. I mean, I can't wait to give you a shout out on my podcast myself and have you um, talk about your info. But man, like you've had some inspiring people spit some fire on your podcast, bro. I've been, I've been like, I guess just enjoying taking your podcast um, content in, but other podcasts, I'm just trying to think of something that uh, I've been very judgmental of some of the podcasts I've listened to lately. I wouldn't, I'd say yours right now and the last few that I've listened to is the only one that I would say some positive about. So I'll, I won't do, bring I up the other ones. Motivational content. I'm either like, I'm so awesome, judgmental I'm about like, that stuff. Nah, I can't buy into this. Yeah. But. Cause a lot of it, I'm like, dude, you're like, it's cheese, bro. Like, come on, give me some real. Yeah. But all right. Um, I just want to, I guess, thank you because the challenge this was this was like an emotional journey for me for me man because like i i pride myself on really loving other people's perspective i love hearing people's stories and i appreciate the complexities of hey things aren't black or white luke is not good or bad and um you pleasantly surprised me so Thank you for that. Thank you for forcing me to reconcile the, with the fact that, like, you know, I I am judgmental. I am predisposed to right. to that. And um, well, hey, I just want to applaud you for taking a shot with me and like having me on your podcast because you you could have not done that at all and taken a chance. And yeah, I mean, I appreciate you opening up too about like about all of that. And I do. I've enjoyed our our conversation so far. So. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man.